0: All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps, again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. What is up, my friend? Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. My name is Grant Baldwin. Good to have you here with us today. We are on episode 43. Forty-three. Yes, that is correct. We are doing uh, thirty episodes in thirty days this month, the month of April. We are halfway through the month here in the U.S. It is uh, April fifteenth, which is tax day. Woo! Good times for that. Hey, if you haven't already, you can go back and listen to episode 33, where we talk about how to to pay taxes on your speaker fees. But you know what? I got to be honest with you. If you're listening to this today and you haven't done your taxes yet, you are a little behind and you need to get caught up. And if you're living in another country where you don't have to worry about taxes today, congrats on you. The rest of us are jealous of you. All right, today we've got a good show for you today. We've got another listener question coming in from a, uh, from a uh, student of ours. So we're going to get to that in just a second. Let me also remind you, if you, if you want to submit your own question to have answered on an upcoming episode of the show, you can do that by going over to thespeakerlab.com and uh, find the Ask Grant tab there. And uh, definitely uh, leave us your voicemail question. We'd love to hear from you. So definitely uh, check that out. Let's get into today's question. The question comes from Kevin, all about creating products. So a lot of people want to speak, but we also have this opportunity to sell products when we speak and where we speak and the audiences that we speak to. So how do we do that? How does that work? What does that look like? So Kevin asked a a great question and we get into it today. So uh, let's get into it. All right. Today's question comes from Kevin who asked, Grant, how long had, after you'd started speaking, did you start creating your products to scale your business? Good question there, Kevin. So I've been speaking a little bit, and then at what point do you actually start introducing some products to continue to, to ramp up what you're doing? So all right, good question, Kevin. So first of all, if, if you're interested in hearing more about kind of how I got started in speaking and kind of my early journey there, you'll definitely want to go back and listen to episode one of the podcast. There you're going to hear a lot more of that that story and journey, and so some of that context may help there. But, but here, I'm going to quickly just walk through the different products that we've come up with and and what we've, we've released over the years that have been related to our speaking, kind of the timeline and thought process behind each of them, and then uh, then at the end I'm going to share with you just a few lessons that we've learned along the way. But our first product was a, a book that we wrote several years ago, and so I had been speaking for about six months. I'd, I'd probably done at that point about ten or twenty events, and we'll talk more in a little bit. But those first few months of speaking really gave me a, a chance to do some actual like market research and really kind of figure out what kind of, of book topics would be good for my audience. So by the time I had actually published the book. I'd been speaking for uh, about a year at that point. And so a key here is that I didn't start creating the book or any product until uh, I started to gain some traction in my speaking business. And I knew that this was something that I was going to be able to do uh, potentially long term and really be able to stick with it for a while. Versus I know some people, they're trying to get their speaking business up and going and they've only done maybe a, uh, you know one or two gigs. And they're also trying to start creating products. And it's like, you don't even know if this is going to work yet, right? You don't even know if this is going to be a thing. So I always recommend that you want to make sure you've got some traction in in your speaking business before you first start creating that product. And so that first book that I wrote, I wrote that once I was really clear on who I wanted to speak to and what it was that I wanted to speak about. So again, I I wouldn't recommend working on a book until you're clear uh, on those answers. You you don't want to invest a bunch of time into creating something that you just eventually you decide not to use. And so my first book was called Reality Check. It was for high school students. That's what a, a lot of the audience that I was speaking to at that time when I got started. And it was basically the book was about helping students to transition from high school into college. And so the book was 50 chapters. Each chapter answers a a, a different question. So things like, should I go to college? How am I going to pay for college? What classes do I take? What do I major in? Job interviews, resumes, internships, credit cards, budgets, taxes, just like life one-on-one type stuff. And so again, that that book came out after speaking for a little while and just getting a sense of what students were wondering about so i could make sure that i could answer those questions in the book so after the book had been out for about a year or so and just so you know too we we self published the book and we could probably do an episode at some point talking more about that process if you're interested in self-publishing versus traditional and uh, all that jazz. But after the book had been out for about a year or so, I started getting a lot of questions from teachers and educators uh, about creating some type of, of curriculum or lesson plans for the book. Now, I was a little intimidated by this, to be honest with you, because I've never been a formal teacher. I've never taught in the classroom. I have never been trained as a formal teacher. I was just, I was a speaker, you know, and uh, that makes it sound. Sad and depressing. I'm not a teacher. I'm just I'm just a speaker. But that's all. I, I didn't know like what a formal teaching classroom would need for a curriculum. I didn't even know how to spell curriculum. I still have a tough time with it. Uh, I didn't know all the different you know state and federal standards and just kind of what needed to go into a curriculum. And so the next step that I took was that I started kind of asking around for people maybe who knew something about curriculum, people who had either created curriculum, teachers that were used to using a lot of curriculum, and people that were just familiar with that space way more than I did. So I ended up finding uh, two teachers actually in the state where I lived. I lived in uh, Missouri at the time, and there were two teachers that well, basically what I did was I, I talked with a, a state director that I'd worked with that had hired me a time or two to speak and the curriculum was kind of being a similar department or field that they were in. So I started asking them, like, who are some teachers that may be a good fit for this? And so they introduced me to two teachers that I happened to, to somewhat know and they the, these other teachers had seen me speak. And so I met up with them and talked with them about creating this curriculum. And so basically, what we ended up doing was I partnered with them and worked with them to actually create the curriculum, which actually worked really well from a selling standpoint as well. In that I was able to tell other teachers, hey, I, you know, I created the book for your students, but the curriculum was made by teachers for teachers. And so the reason we created the curriculum one was so that we could create another product, so it gave us another revenue source. Uh, another reason would be so that we would have something that wasn't just dependent on me to be there. So now. Now, even at the time of this recording, we've got the curriculum in, I believe it's over 400 high schools around primarily the US where the, the curriculum is being taught. So even right now, as I'm recording this, as you're listening to this, there may be people that are teaching that without me having to be there. Uh, and then the other reason that we created the curriculum was in part, we wanted to sell more books. And so the curriculum went really hand in hand with the book. And so the, the curriculum was almost one of those things where it didn't do you much good unless you had the book. And so we set it up in such a way where we wanted each student who would go through the curriculum in a class to have a book. Uh, and so that way, rather than students buying a book one at a time, we were able to sell a class set of books of you know, 20 to 30 books at a time. And so that was kind of the goal there in creating it. And so we started with 10 lessons. Again, the, the book was 50 chapters. And so we picked 10 of those chapters and we created the first version of the curriculum, which is basically just version 1.0 and so after having a after a year of, of having that curriculum out we started having more teachers coming back and just asking for more they're like this is great we need more of this stuff uh can we have more lesson plans so I went back to those two teachers who'd created the lesson plans, and I basically asked them, hey, we've got 50 chapters in the book. We've created 10 lesson plans based on 10 of the chapters. Is it possible to create 40 more? And Again, I was really dependent on them because they were the ones that were creating the actual curriculum. And so I worked with them to create those 40 lesson plans. And it took several months to create and get everything put together. But at that point, we really had a we had a version 2.0 at that point with 50 lesson plans that went into the curriculum. It was like over 420 some pages of lesson plans. I mean, it was a ton of stuff. And so they would create it, I would edit it, we'd kind of work together and make sure that it all kind of fleshed out okay. But again, it took several months to create that. So that was basically, at that point, we'd had the, the book out, we had the curriculum out, we had the, the uh, later edition of the curriculum, which would become, again, all 50 chapters and all 50 lesson plans there. And it was also during that time that I started adding other simple products to events that I was speaking at. Now, because at the time I was speaking a lot to teenagers, uh, we would oftentimes sell things like, like t-shirts and wristbands. And so we went through a few different iterations of, of t-shirts and wristbands before we finally uh, landed on some that were, were selling well. I was also I was checking with other speakers and, and friends in and, and the industry just to figure out what products they were selling and what was working. And, and so again, I always hammer on this, but it's so critically important to build relationships with other speakers in your niche just to compare notes and see what's working because you know t-shirts and wristbands they sold fine to to teenagers but selling t-shirts and wristbands probably wouldn't work if you were speaking to some type of corporate audience with a bunch of suits I you know I speak to those audiences now and I don't sell I don't sell t-shirts or wristbands So at that point we've been selling uh, we got the book we got the curriculum we got t-shirts, we got wristbands and then shortly after that, I started speaking more to college audiences. And so we took the existing reality check book and we created a college edition that was just for college students. So it was basically reality check, the college edition. And so we had that out. So basically at that point, we had both books, we had the curriculum, we had t-shirt, we had wristbands. Those were the main physical products that we, we sold at that time that were directly related to the audiences that we were speaking to. And so the online products, they didn't start happening until 2014, about two Years ago or so, whenever I first started doing more in the online space. So, my first podcast was How Did You Get Into That? And we did a, a career course called Clarity Course back in 2014. And then we launched our Booked and Paid to Speak, kind of our, our flagship course last year. And then we, recently, we launched our Art of Speaking course. So, we've done a couple of different online products since then. And so, at this point, we've got a variety of, of physical products that we've done in the past. We don't really sell any of those anymore. And then we've got a, a, several of these different online products. So, that was kind of the just the journey that we went through in terms of creating products for our audience. But now what I want to do is I wanted to just go over four lessons that I learned in all of this, four lessons that I've learned whenever it comes to creating products and just kind of that timeline of creating products and how that, that ties into your speaking business. So first lesson would it be this, number one, is that speaking is a great venue to sell products. Speaking is a great, great venue to sell products. We, we just actually talked a little bit about this in episode 39. So you're definitely going to want to go back and listen to that episode 39, where we talk about ways to sell products in addition to back of the room, but other ways to sell it beyond just back of the room. But I want you to think about this. Like Whenever you go speak, you have a very captive audience that is interested in what you have to say. And so part of the challenge, part of the limitation of speaking is that you cannot cover everything that the audience would possibly need to know on a subject or topic. So it's only natural to have some type of product that you could offer on the back end. And so nothing builds that connection, that rapport with people than actually in-person speaking. It's way, way better than than even a podcast episode or an email or a blog post or anything else that you could be doing. That in-person connection is extremely, extremely valuable if you want to sell some type of product or service. So, again, all that to say speaking is a great great venue to sell other products that you may have. The second lesson would be this is that products that do the best are those that solve a specific pain for your audience. Products that do the best are those that solve a specific pain for your audience. So here's the common model. Here's the common thing that most of us do whenever we create products. We have what we think is this amazing idea. It, you know, it hits us randomly while we are in the shower or we're drifting off to sleep or while we're running errands and we think this is the greatest idea Ever. No one has ever thought of this. And of course, we're not going to share it with anyone because naturally they're going to want to steal it because human beings are awful people. And so we don't want them to steal it. So we go into our cave and we create or we build this product. And then we emerge like nine months later, like we're giving birth and we share what we've made with the world. And what happens? What happens? Ready? Nothing. Crickets. Nobody buys. People aren't interested. They don't care. Why? Because you built a product that solves a pain that nobody cares about. Or perhaps it doesn't solve a pain at all. And so trying to solve a pain that no one has is a really good way to go out of business. So for me, with that very first book, whenever I wrote Reality Check, the pain was that teenagers and and even their parents and educators... had no idea what to do after graduation. You know, how do you pay bills? How do you network? How do you deal with a roommate? How do you pay for college? Uh, How do you pay for taxes? How do you do these basic life things? And so how did I know that this was a specific pain for them? That leads us to number three. Number three would be this, is that speaking is a great laboratory to discover what your audience wants. It is a great laboratory to discover what your audience wants. So one of the things that we talked about before is that the more often you speak, the sooner you'll discover what topics and subjects really resonate with people. We talked about this in episode 41 recently. So go back and listen to that one. Again, that is episode 41. You don't want to miss that one. So start to pay attention whenever you do sessions and whenever, especially if you do like Q&A and people start to ask you questions or, or even afterwards when people come up and talk to you or when they send you emails with questions. What are the common questions that everyone is asking you? Because each time you speak, it's kind of like this laboratory experiment that you can, you can iterate, you can improve your message to help better address the questions that you know your audience will have. It's a, it's a, kind of the same thing whenever I do webinars. As, as you may know, I do a lot of webinars and I always do Q&A at the end. And so part of my role as a presenter is to pay attention to what are the most common questions I'm getting. What are the areas or the, the topics or the subjects where people keep getting stuck and how can I help them with those areas and so when you create a, a product such as a book it's oftentimes done in solitary confinement meaning it's just basically it's you and your computer but speaking gives you a chance to try out some of the ideas some of the material some of the thoughts some of the lessons on an actual live audience first and begin to refine the topic and the angle before you actually create the product. Fourth, number four, let's wrap up with this. Number four is that you can do a bunch of products, but you can't do them all at once. You can do a bunch of products, but you cannot do them all at once. Like I mentioned above, I've created two different books and a curriculum and t-shirts and wristbands and three different online courses. And that's a lot of products. And that was all created over the course of several years. That was not created on a weekend where I just was buzzed up on Red Bull or something. It's easy to have this this shiny object syndrome where we want to create a bunch of different types of products, and that's fine. That's good. There's nothing wrong with that. But the, again, the fact is, is that you can't create all of them at once. Just like you can't create a, a bunch of products at once, you can't also try to start speaking and write a book and start a blog and do coaching and do consulting and start a podcast and create an online course and be Xbox champion of the world. You just can't can't do it all. One of the the most valuable assets for any entrepreneur, and I think we do a decent job at this and I think this is this has helped us a lot, is the ability to focus, to pick one product that you want to create that you know is a good fit for your audience and to just work on that don't worry about creating the other 19 products all at the same time that you want to do. That's fine. You can do those at some point. You can always, always, always come back and work on something else later. But for now, just pick one direction, one, not the band, but just pick one direction, one path that you're going to go in and focus that way. So again, let's summarize here. Number one is that speaking is a great venue to sell products. So it's good to have products. It's good to create products. Number two is that products uh, that do the best are those that solve a specific pain that your audience has, not something that you think they have or something that you just randomly came up with. But no, no, I know that this is a struggle that my audience has. Number three is that speaking is a great laboratory to discover what your audience wants. And then finally, number four is that you can do a bunch of products, but you cannot do them all at once. So part of the goal, part of the challenge for any good speaker, any good entrepreneur is the ability to focus so good question kevin i hope that helps all right there you go hope you enjoyed that hope that was helpful to you you know again if you are just getting started i I think you just focus on 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 speaking right now get that going and then you can kind of come back in add in some some uh some products that's what i did and uh, but again, you you take whatever path you need to take. That was just my uh, my two cents on what we did, what worked for us. Um, hey, also if you haven't already, we have just a few seats remaining for the Speaker Lab Live, which is going to be happening May twenty first right here in Nashville. Going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a one day mastermind event. Just a small group of speakers there, uh, helping each other with our businesses, networking, connecting with one another. Going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we spend so much time looking at the kind of the uh, the nuances of our business and kind of. Getting Getting in the in the trenches of it, and this one we're going to take a step back and kind of work on the big picture of your business, help you to build and grow your speaking business. So, uh, going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait for it. We're going to be going to have some some. We just got some cool surprises planned. So, don't want you to miss that. You can find all the details about that over at thespeakerlab.com/live. Again, that is the speakerlabcom dot com slash live. It's coming up literally in just a couple of weeks, just over a month away. Uh, and again, just a few seats remaining when we're sold out. We are sold out. So don't tell, don't say I didn't tell you so. So I uh, would love for you to join us and be a part of that. All right, uh, that wraps up today's episode, episode forty three. We will uh, we'll catch you tomorrow. You're awesome.